Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment you're nailing it and the next you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyan, and on this week's episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast, we're going to be talking about how to become unbusy. And to help me with this conversation, I'm bringing in a guest and colleague, Monica Berg. She is a speaker, a thought leader, and author of Fear is Not an Option and Rethinking Love, and the host of the Spiritually Hungry podcast. Monica, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Thank you for having me. It's good to join you today. Basically, I uh, live my life with the intention of helping people rethink almost pretty much everything they think they know with the hope of people living their best life and finding their purpose and their passion and living a life where they're first and foremost honest with themselves and have no shame or guilt in pursuing the things that they truly desire. And that's why I'm really excited about the topic today, because I think often we can get busy with the wrong things and distracted really by other people's desires and needs, demands. And that is a formula, I think a recipe for a bit of unhappiness. Tell me more about the piece where the getting busy with things that are not our actual priorities or goals. Why why do we do that? Why do we get bogged down in that piece of things? Well, I think it happens more with women, to be honest, although it can happen to both sexes. But I think that women are raised to be caretakers and nurturers and, you know, to really be in touch with their feelings and be empathetic with others. And so, and that's okay. But if you don't find a time in your life or make it really a priority to really get to know yourself, to hear what you desire, to not be afraid to go after it then that voice, that internal dialogue becomes almost muted. And then what you really do here is the external demands, opinions, expectations of others. And then once you're in that kind of loop, it's hard to get away from it. And it's hard to navigate, you know, because the voice that's really loud is somebody else's. And then you find yourself in kind of a rut, maybe, you know, 20 years down the line, it doesn't happen right away. Everybody struggles with this. I see it with the dads that I work with a lot too. So their partner will say like, you you focus on things that are not that important to our family. I think it's all of us get bogged down into kind of what we think we're supposed to be doing in the shoulds, you know, and very much less on what actually would bring us lasting happiness and fulfillment, right? Yeah. And I also think it has to just be as simple as 
you know, how we view time. I mean, it's something we all have the exact same amount of, right? You and I both have the same minutes in this day, but unless you are really a timekeeper, right? And you manage your time, you guard your time. And I have a bunch of different tools and tips I can give you as we go through our conversation today. But unless you really understand that, the importance of your time, it's easy to say, okay, I'll do this other thing right now and I'll get to the really important thing later. I'll do these five things on my to-do list first and then I'll get to the other things later. And before you know it, you know, the day is gone and the day becomes weeks and months and years and that's just your reality. And then you're like, how did I get here? How is it that I'm not actually manifesting, achieving or accomplishing anything that I truly desire? Yeah. And so what's the solution? What do we do to not get caught up in that? Well, there's a few. So let's go because I have a bunch of I'm really a kind of person that, you know, immediate action. So you have first a thought, right? You change your consciousness and then you follow up with immediate action because if not, then, you know, it's a great conversation, but no real change occurs. And as you know, I call myself a change junkie, very much addicted to change, which was not how I came into the world. So that was also an evolution. So the first idea is something called non-time. You know, it's very uncomfortable at first, especially if you are type A personality, because you're like, do, do, do. But non-time is where you give yourself, like if I were to ask you to do nothing or think about nothing for 15 minutes, I would say that would really be a hard challenge for most of us. And in fact, if I asked you not to think about anything at all, the first thing you're going to think about is like the one thing I tell you not to think about, right? If I say, please don't think about pink elephants, chances are you're only going to think about pink elephants. But non-time is something that actually very successful people do. A time or space you give yourself that is not with the demands of the world. It's not with all the noise of the world. You give yourself a task to do nothing. So Albert Einstein, obviously we all know about Albert Einstein, how successful he was, but his non-time was sailing. And some of his greatest ideas came, as he said, feeling the wind on his face, being on a sailboat, right? Steve Jobs, we know how innovative he was, but he was also known to be a procrastinator and somebody who daydreamed a lot. But in his daydreaming and his doodling, he found a great balance between finding work and play, right? In technology, my non-time is exercise. And for some that might not be, that might sound really tragic, but I work out two hours a day, six days a week. But in that time, of not thinking and using my body, most of my creative thoughts and ideas actually come to me and I have to run to my phone after the workout and write them all down. So non-time is actually a way that you find something that you enjoy doing, that you're not giving yourself a task or a goal or a, you know something specific to do. And scientists have found and proven, they've done numerous tests with different groups on giving them something to do and then nothing to do and then to see who was more creative. And it's always those who were in a space of non-time. Interesting. Okay. So then how do we find the non-time for ourselves? You know, I know that, you know, anybody who is a runner, I most likely identified with the exercise piece that you just said. I know that, you know, my dad was a runner. That was his non-time all the time. He had his best ideas, all of those things when he was running. But how do we find that? Especially, I don't know about you, but for many of the families that I work with, as you transition into parenthood, you it seems like you lose a lot of time for yourself and you almost lose the parts of yourself that did those non-time activities. So like one for me would when I was, before I was a parent, um, I would spend time just doing art for myself with no purpose. And I just don't make as much time for that now as a parent. So how can we figure out and reconnect to that, to our, 
old selves and find non-time as busy parents. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm also a marathon runner and for sure that's, you know, people like, how do you do it? I would get lost in that space. I think parents make that mistake though. They think that, you know, now I'm taking care of a child or four children or so clearly you do have less time in a day to do things that feed you, but you know, that's the trap because, you know, my oldest is 22, my youngest is eight. And the ways that they need you changes so much through time. And if you devote all of your energy and all of your purpose to just raising children, as that relationship changes, it can be really hard for you to find yourself then. I really encourage you to go back to your art for sure. I think we have to be flexible about how we approach it. So if, for instance, I call it like a modest spark, let's say that there's something you enjoy doing, but it's not like your ultimate end all be all, but you enjoy doing it. So before I started public speaking, I used to, and I still do, I enjoy baking very much. Baking was something I could do at 11 o'clock at night or nine o'clock at night when the kids were sleeping. And as I was creating things with my hands, again, doing something, I was thinking about lectures, ideas, concepts, books, and I was formulating them in my mind. So I think that, you know, even if you need to do it at a weird hour or, you know, or you need to wake up a little bit earlier, you need to ask your partner to fill in this time, or maybe the kids have pizza for dinner and they don't have all their food groups in that one night, you know, that's okay. But just to find that and create that space, because it will allow you actually even to be a better parent, you know, if we're so busy on our children and, and focused on making them happy and being the perfect parent. And we're running them from karate class and the other one has ballet class and the other one has soccer practice. And you're yelling in them the car because they didn't eat healthy at the birthday party. And you want to, you know, you want this balanced kind of life. And really your goal is to be a great parent, but you're not actually giving yourself that non-time, how are you going to think differently about approach in parenting, you know, while trying to do all these great things for them, you know, are they going to remember what you did or how you made them feel? So I think giving ourselves that space just to be, there's no reason not to, you know, I often say to people, cause that's a question I get a lot. Like, how do I have time to focus on my growth or change my consciousness or whatever we find that's important to us that we want to work on, but we just don't have the time. If you stop and ask yourself, how many times did I think a negative thought today? Or did I berate myself about not being good enough in this or that area? Or I spoke bad about somebody like how much of our time and energy goes towards something negative? You know, if we actually cut that out of our lives, I guarantee you'll have time for (laughs) non-time. Yeah. Yeah. And so what is the relationship then between non-time and being kind of unbusying yourself? How are they related? So non-time, you're being busy with something, but you're not being distracted, I think, right? It's very much something that you enjoy doing, like vigorous exercise or, you know, like coloring or like, it's something that you're actually participating in. It's giving you the space just to absorb your surroundings that you want, right? Sitting by a window and looking out at the trees or looking in nature. It's that space. Unbusy means you stop participating in things that just don't serve you. And that's a different thing, you know? And so I think that, you know, often people ask another question about anti-goals, which is the opposite of having goals, right? And I, and I like where this conversation is going because it's like, they seem so similar and they seem that they contradict each other at the same time. Anti-goals are when you write down things you don't love doing 
and you just stop doing them. So for instance, if you hate having board meetings and you don't feel that they're effective, then you just stop doing it. It's like, and by doing that, you're going to find a solution in how to spend more time with the things that you love because you've removed so much of your energy and participating in things that you just don't enjoy. Like if I were to ask you, you know, to solve hunger in India, right? That's a big question. But if I said to you, why don't we look at what's not working in India in terms of poverty and starvation, and let's stop doing those things, then the solution will be a lot clearer. Sometimes I channel, I feel like my listeners as they're listening to these things. And the the question that's popping up in my brain, I can't just stop doing laundry. You know, like I, the laundry has to get done. Although in my relationship, in my house, I at one point I did just stop doing it and it got done by my partner who's wonderful and great. But like, there's a certain level, like there are things that do have to get done, you know, as parents. So how can we approach them in a way that is more conscious and intentional and fulfilling? Absolutely. There are some things that we have to do. I do find though that we we have to check ourselves if we're coming from a controlling place or this idea that we have to be a perfect parent. That pressure that we put on ourselves means laundry has to be done every Monday, Wednesday, Friday has to be folded, put it back in place, organized. If somebody comes over, they're going to see how neat my house is and I have everything under control. I don't think we have to do all the things we say to ourselves that we need to do. You know, kids can use a towel more than twice. (laughs) They can make their beds to the best of their ability. It's okay if they get into a bed that maybe isn't made, if it doesn't bother them. And if it bothers them enough, they're going to learn how to start making it, right? It requires more effort in a way because you have to be disciplined. You have to kind of repeat yourself, but that effort that you put in at the beginning actually will pay off. Okay, given the conversation we're having today on how important it is to actually enjoy being in the present moment with our families, especially our kids, I wanted to just make sure you know that my 30 days of play challenge is coming up. It starts in just a few days and there is still time for you to get signed up and join us in this fun, immersive play challenge. I'm so excited for it. So if you have ever uh, felt overwhelmed by how often your kids ask you to play, felt frustrated by how infrequently they play independently um, and how much they need you for play. If you'd love to have the energy and ability and time to sit down and play with your kids, but you just don't know where to find it, or maybe you feel so bored and resentful of playtime with your kids. All of those things are okay. All of your feelings are valid. All of your feelings are normal. You see, somewhere along the line, we as parents got the message that we're responsible for our kids' play. And that turned it into a job. And the quickest way to suck fun and joy out of something is to layer in obligation, pressure, shame, and guilt. And so if that's happening for you and your family around play, I want to set you free. And that is the whole point of the 30 Days of Play Challenge. So I hope you'll come and join us. Just go to laurafroyan.com slash play challenge, and we'll get you all set up with a really nice, detailed, but doable journal, Uh, lots of great activities and prompts to get you really thinking about the role of play in your life, your role in your child's play, and how to connect with your children on a deeper level, how to get them playing more independently so you have a little bit of time for yourself and to just bring a little bit more flow, ease, and joy into your life and into your family's life through play. So if you've ever struggled with play, we're tackling it all in this 30 days. I hope that you'll join us. So I think a way to get around this, it's another tool. It's called 
create your to-be list before your to-do list. The to-do list is one that is long. It's usually things, again, like laundries on there or pick up vacuum cleaner bags or, you know, a bunch of to-dos. And again, we do need to do some of those things, but do we have to do them when we think we have to do them? And to that, you know, detail of every, you know, these schedules that are so regimented. So if you create your to-be list first, right, let's say on your to-be list was to write a children's book. (laughs) And so if that was important to you, then on your to-do list would be, you know, take an hour a week, let's say, if you're really, really busy with kids and schedule doesn't a lot for it, one hour a week to writing. Surely you can find an hour, right? Can I just ask a question just to clarify? So is the to-be list kind of your goals for who you want to be? Yes, exactly. And based on who you want to become, you create your to-do list. Okay. So again, you will have the other things on there, but when you have that list combined with your to-be list, right? Then all of a sudden it becomes really apparent, like, is this really important? Or maybe I won't do it this week. And I'll, or like, let's say you have to prepare food and you want to find a few extra hours in the week. Maybe you do your food prep on Sunday. You make your menu, you do your shopping, you already cut all the vegetables, you put them in mason jars and you set all that up. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you've now gained a half hour or an hour in that day because you're not prepping on those days. You're just cooking, but you've now, you can put that to something else that's really important to you. So I think a lot of it is just shifting your perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I really do, I feel like we've kind of been skirting around this a little bit, but it seems like a big piece of this is letting go of the expectations that you hold for yourself or the expectations that maybe you've borrowed from society and culture. And that a big piece of this is, is letting go of those things and instead intentionally choosing what matters most to you. A hundred percent. You know, my husband and I, as you mentioned, we have a podcast, it's called Spiritually Hungry. And we did an episode on parenting. And, you know, there are many doctors, I can't remember the one specific one we had quoted right now, but saying this idea that you, know, you just want to be a good enough parent. Yeah. Because if you're a good enough parent, right, it means that you, of course, you care and you're trying to do your best. But you're also well aware that your children will have their own process. They're going to have their own journey in life. And it's not our job to control that process for them. And by doing that, you really kind of let yourself off the hook a bit. Yeah. Oh, the good enough parent is absolutely so important. It's from Winnicott is the researcher from the fifties who coined this term. And it's so, so important to embrace that idea of being good enough. Again, I think a lot of ideas like letting go that could be so feel so difficult to master first, if you just shift your consciousness, right, then everything will follow. So you have to just decide that that really is okay to be a good enough parent. And from there, you're like, okay, if that's really what I think, then that means I'm going to make this other decision on this day. I'm going to let go in that area on that day. Yeah. And how do you do that? Like, how do you just decide? I think that lots of people, parents and non-parents struggle with that aspect of it, of can you just decide and if limiting beliefs linger in there, what do you do with them? Well, I think expanding your consciousness, it's like a muscle you have to work, right? It's not just something you do once, it's something you choose every single day. I think that if you wake up in the morning and you really have this conversation with yourself, right? I want to be a conscious person 
that really directs my day the way that I want it to go, the way that I intend it to, the way that I'm enjoying it and that I'm deriving purpose and meaning, right? So if that's how you start your day, then that means when things unfold in the day and they don't go out the way that you want or things didn't happen the way that you want, you're able to stop and say, okay, it's not what I expected, but how can I make this work for me? Once you start to do that, right? You start to change the way that you look at life. Then life happens through you, not to you. You've become part of solutions. Everything is purposeful, even the things that are not what you had intended or wanted. So, you know, and if you find it really hard to do that, then you're going to, those negative belief systems that we created long ago will come up. You have to listen to them and then you have to challenge them. It doesn't have to be that hard. I mean, the simplistic answer is, you know, how do you let go of a piece of hot coal in your hand? I mean, simply you let it go, you drop it. How do you let go of heavy baggage you've been carrying, come home from the airport, you just drop it and let it go, right? Simply, we understand that. So if the decision is, I don't want to be such an angry parent anymore, or I don't want to be such an upset spouse, or I want to, you know, then you have to say, okay, if I don't want to be those negative things anymore, then how will I change my experience in those roles? Yeah, And that's the choice you make, right? What do I need to let go? in order to step into who I want to be. Right. So if you're fighting with your partner all the time because they don't acknowledge you, why is it important for them to acknowledge you? You know, you have to be able to, to be honest with yourself about what the challenge is and then ask yourself the question, why do you need that outcome? By asking yourself those two questions with an answer yourself with honesty, then you'll have the information in front of you. And from that space, you can choose something else, but you really need to be able to put that, lay it out in front of you to be able then to say, okay, like, that's why I named my book fear is not an option. When fear is no longer an option, you need to look for other options. It's the same thing here. If being that, whatever it is, right. That is upsetting you is no longer an option for you in your life that you don't want that. You're going to look for different options. Yeah. And I almost like would feel really good to me too, to frame this as a, like a, almost like a, from a place of curiosity, like, if fear was no longer an option, what would you be? You know, if being defensive with your partner in the midst of a disagreement was no longer an option for you, what would you choose? Like that curiosity piece feels really good. And I really appreciate the reminder that it's an active practice, that it's a muscle you have to exercise, that it's not a a set it and forget it kind of one and done. You look at it once, you're like, oh, yep, there it is. And then you move forward. I think that's what people are hoping it will be. And it's not, it's a conscious, active choosing each and every day. Well, we come, we're part of a quick fix society, right? right. (laughs) You know, you don't like your, but you know, there's a solution for that. You don't like your whatever, you know, we can, we can fix that too. And it's just like in a heartbeat, real joy, fulfillment that comes from everyday choosing that, you know, and and we understand this when it comes to physical activity, you'll get really fit, you work out, and then you stop working out and you eat differently. Well, your body's going to change also. That's just the way that it is. So I think having a healthy understanding that you really need to participate in your life. I think that people forget that, you know, while you still care about it, by the way. So often people are like, oh, you know, I'm going to do this first. It's the kids are the priority or you know, I'm just going to keep doing these things. I don't love it, but I know in like five years from now, I don't have to do it. It doesn't work like that. You don't know where you're going to be in five years, right? So you have to really say, okay, I care enough about me. And because I care about me, I'm going to do something today to change things that I'm not happy about. Yeah. I always say like our lives are not waiting rooms. We're in them now. We're living our lives now. We have to be actively participating and choosing our lives. And, you know, I think that oftentimes as parents, we do feel 
like we don't have a lot of choice, that we don't have a lot of power, that we are at the whims and mercy of our kids' developmental stages and what's going on in the world. And it can feel quite empowering to recognize where you do have the ability to choose. I mean, honestly, I can understand why people are terrified if they think in that way. Like just hearing you say that, I'm like, my heart's beating because that for me sounds like suffering. I mean, I would never want to live life like that. I think, you know, as far as your children's development and being part of that in every stage, there needs to be room to allow something greater in. I believe in God. I believe in something far greater than us. So I think it's about having certainty in the process of life. And stop trying to control it. And I'm, you know, I was very much a control freak. I was very much a perfectionist. And I think that's why I've gone the extreme the other way and really embracing change because I was miserable in that other version of myself and life was not working for me, you know? So I started to really challenge the things, you know, exactly like what I shared a little bit earlier in the show. And also, you know, with children, you want to raise them, I think, to, be able to think for themselves. So if you're controlling every stage, you're basically teaching them to follow authority, to follow other people's beliefs and opinions, to be a follower. And guess what? When they enter high school and you're not the voice in their head anymore, you're not the strongest influence, then they will follow their peers that are now greater influences over them. None of us want that. We want people, grownups, we want to raise people who, when they're grown up, yeah, they're independent. They know what they want. They know how to advocate for themselves. You know, they know how to stand up for themselves. They follow their hearts. They define their own success. This is what we want for our kids. And it's so important to remember that like that starts at birth, like that starts now. (laughs) You know, my kids ask me for advice or they share a problem with me. I don't try to fix it. What I do is I say to them, well, what do you think your options are? You know, what do you think you should do about that? Or, you know, if you did X, Y, and Z, how do you think the outcome would be, you know, to really get them to, and by the way, that was a restriction on my part when I first started learning how to do that over a decade ago or more. Now it's just the way we speak, but I would really encourage people, first of all, that needs to be the voice you have with yourself, right? And when you do that, then you can offer that to your children. Oh, I so agree. It always starts with us, always. Yeah. And we want to be modeling this for our kids too. I think that that's something that's really powerful to remember in this conversation of kind of unbusying our life. Like we are an advertisement for adulthood for our kids, you know, and it, we have to be really conscious of that, of what we are modeling for them. A hundred percent. Well, Monica, thank you so much for this conversation. It was really fun to talk about this kind of broad topic. I feel like we went a lot of different places, but it all connected. It was really a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that's it for this episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast. And before we go, I just want to remind you one last time to make sure you sign up for our 30 Days of Play Challenge. It starts in just a couple days and you don't want to miss a thing. This is one of the most fun and engaging times in my community. And I would really love to have you as a part of it. We're going to be doing daily prompts. You'll get emails from me with doable small steps, things you can do to bring more joy and play and fun into your homes. 
Plus, all of the episodes of the Balanced Parent Podcast in the month of January are going to be focused in on deep dives into certain aspects of play. So the podcast is going to be aligned and kind of flowing with this play challenge. So you're not going to want to miss out. You're not going to want to be left behind. I really think you're going to want to be in on the challenge with the daily prompts that you get in your email the journal to move you along, joining in in my Instagram community using the hashtag 30 days of play and I'm in my balanced parenting community on Facebook too. So if you're not in those groups, if you're not following me on Instagram, I want you to go ahead, sign up for the play challenge, get into my Facebook group and start following me on Instagram so you can be fully engaged and supported in bringing more flow, joy, fun, and connection back into your family's life through the beautiful medium of play. Okay. So thanks for listening today. Um, remember to subscribe to the podcast and if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of, um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.